Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. First rule of Book Club is you must always talk about Book Club. Second rule of Book Club is tell everyone about Book Club. Hi there, this week on Book Club, Mike and I start a new book, Inked by Jeb Blunt, which has been an interesting read for us. It's a book about negotiation skills and a really relevant one given that every penny that any of us make in the next year is going to be hard fought for. So buckle up, strap yourselves in and enjoy. So this week, listeners on Book Club, two grumpy middle-aged men talk about a book written by a very upbeat, positive middle-aged man. We're talking about Inked by Jeb Blunt, which is the ultimate guide to powerful closing and sales negotiation tactics that unlock yes and seal the deal. And I guess a good start for today's conversation, Mike, is probably to tell our listeners that you and I debated whether we should postpone talking about this particular book my point of view was, Jesus, does anybody really want to worry about the negotiation skills right now? Your point of view, and actually I've come round to it, as, as is your persuasive bent, is that at this point in time and at this point in history, never have we needed to squeeze more out of every possible sale permutation than we do right now. That's, that's, that's 100% true, but I think also... Any savvy buyer now knows that they're in a position of ultimate strength. Yeah, so mate of mine, they're really good mates with this guy. <clears throat> he's been trying to buy. He's been trying to buy a house for ages in a particular part of Leeds, and on this particular street uh, where I live, he's in Horsforth, where I live, in this particular street called West End Lane. You know, really, the sellers have got all the power because not many houses come up. They're pretty nice houses. It's a pretty nice street. And I said to my mate Andy, I said, "I bet you're sort of glad you haven't bought a house now, aren't you?" He said, "Mike." He said, the one I'm looking at is whatever it was, and, it's, and, and he reckons he can get it for X less. And I think for all the deals that are still in the pipeline, I think those sellers, they're got, you know, those buyers, sorry, they've got a lot of power over the sellers now. And the sellers yeah. need to have good negotiation closing techniques right now, I think. And I think even if you're in a market, you know, I was talking to a candidate the other day and it sounds really harsh, but she sells, dare I say it, the software that integrates medical devices with patient record systems. Even if you're selling something like that and the demand is immense, there's still a point where actually the buyer still has power now. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, the customers need the kit, but they have real power. And I, I think that's, I'm, I'm glad that we've talked about this book. And today we're going to cover... Part one and part two. Part one talks about sales negotiation as a discipline, why salespeople suck at negotiating, uh, the case for improving sales negotiation skills. Negotiating is not a one-size-fits-all. Sales negotiation is about winning for your team. Hmm. Sales negotiation rule, win first, then, then negotiate. So if, without any further ado, let's jump in. Um, you know me, Mike. I like to talk about the, the forward and I always the forward read them. is a proper kiss ass moment. <laughs> this guy, Mike Weinberg, he really, 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 really has. I mean, let's get right. Jeb Blount's a you know, he's a grade A star, isn't he, in the in the sales book? In uh, yes, world. he's he's There's A-list, no about isn't he? He's yeah, A-list yeah. sales book author. Hundred percent. But I mean the forward is so kiss assy. There's no point reading it, I don't think. 
it is a quite sycophantic um, piece of writing. But there is a couple of bits. Uh, I picked up on something here. It's uh, where, where Mike Weinberg has said, it will help you to ink many more deals. And I actually just wrote, and I was, you know me, Mike, I read these on a Sunday morning. And um, I'm grumpy on a Sunday morning because I've had to get up early to read book club books when I should be reading Cormac McCarthy or something more civilised. And it says here, it will help you ink many more deals. And I put, I don't like this, ink deals. Firstly, it's bad grammar. There is no such verb as to ink. <laughs> really annoyed well, me that. Sort of a, yeah, yeah, I can see why, yeah. <laughs> it really, really annoyed me. Um, and, I, and I just feel it's, ironically... It's a little bit contrary to what all the other sales authors are talking about, what the market's talking about, inking a deal. It's a little uh, bit... quite like Blount for that. Yeah, well, it's, it's not what that, that's Mike Weinberg for that. Um, and then he, he, what he does talk about is effective negotiating begins and ends with emotional discipline, and that, and that we sellers hurt our position when we don't rise above the disruptive emotions that emerge during a negotiation. Um, and, and I, I wrote a little point here. I was thinking about it. And I'd just be interested in your opinion on this. My brother-in-law has a theory about golf. I think we've talked about this on the show before, but I'll, I'll reiterate it. His theory about golf is to play good golf, you've got to be one of two things. Either as thick as two short planks or have a fighter pilot up mind and brain of ice. How good is your brother-in-law at golf? He's a mediocre golfer because he is a highly intelligent, neurotic human being. Maybe because so, he's just not very good at golf. No, he's a very athletic guy. He swings the ball, but his point is the game gets inside your head, doesn't it? Yeah, I get his point. I get yours as well. And I think sometimes with negotiation, I do wonder sometimes, I think sometimes I see it with the same salespeople, is some salespeople are thick and actually do well because they don't think about how emotive I know a few guys who I've placed where I've thought, you're a good guy and you're in an 120, 140k a year. He's not that intelligent, but you're sort of a bit workmanlike and you can just almost sense them being good negotiators because the job just doesn't get inside their head. Possibly, yeah, possibly. I've always tried to take that tack myself, really. What, a bit sort of... Uh, do you with the, the candidates. Do you, know, do you want to take the job or not? Oh, I'm not sure about the mileage rate, Mike. <laughs> yeah well we'll come to that okay because there's, there's there's some really really useful points about that and I, i'm a, and we'll talk about it later on in the in these chapters but for me one of the things having hung around with you as long as i have and you and i have very contrasting styles of doing the job you know i will fight for every inch whereas you're a guy that will say oh fuck it just put some more stuff in the top of your pipeline then it's easy to negotiate because you're in control i'll happily walk away from something as well and actually, I think it makes you much more, in a way, and we'll talk about it again later, it makes you more empathic, having more in your pipeline. Yeah, well, you're not worried about every nickel and dime, are you? No, you, you can be nicer to everybody. You can have more empathy with the client, more empathy with your own position. And as a result, actually, in general, it just makes you a better negotiator. So well, I, I think that, yeah, and we'll come back to that. And the concepts from Inked will help you to avoid getting commoditized and help you to outsell your competition. Mike Weinberg. Mike's obviously in Jeb's LinkedIn engagement pod. I can it? tell you now, I've read the whole book. They will not help you to get out. They will not stop you getting commoditized. That will not happen if you read this book. Go on. 
well, this book, this book doesn't affect that part of a salesperson's game. So you've read I all think, of it. I've I think, only read I parts think, one and two. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the reason people get commoditized is because the end user buyer doesn't see value above and beyond price in their sale. At no point does this book talk at all about attaching huge value to a business outcome. Doesn't talk about it. Well, it almost negates some of that conversation, doesn't it, in the bits I've read? Don't talk about it. I mean, okay. let's get right. I sort of quite. So, what's interested about it before we get into the book is I've read this and I've read Chris Voss's book on negotiation. Yeah, I thought Chris Voss's book was very good. What's very interesting is there's a phrase about we all look at the same landscape, but we've just got a different map. It's very clear that Chris Voss and Jeb Blount have got a different map. Very, very, very clear. Well, what's really interesting, Mike, is on page four, he actually directly attacks Chris Voss. I know, yeah. I thought it was it's really a direct interesting head on. It's, it's a direct smack-in-the-mouth attack on Chris Voss's book. I take it you're referring to, but not like this. In the sales profession, it's never life or death. There, sometimes it can feel that way. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole page, the entirety of page four, yeah. is a direct head-on attack on Never Split the Difference. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, I was a little stunned, actually, because we really love Never Split the Difference, didn't we? Yeah, but equally, I do get Blount's point as it goes. Yes, you're not negotiating for the life of Chris, a small Chris child. Chris was negotiating for the, yeah, for, for the life of a small child. Jeb Blount's negotiating as to whether he wins a deal or not. And that does put a very different context on it, I think. Yeah, okay. Okay. And then what he talks about, I mean, I'm up to page... So, so, so we're in... We're in, chap, we're in Chapter two Chapter now. one. Sale, sales negotiation is a discipline. Oh, you're in chapter two. Yeah, I've got chapter two now. Salespeople suck at negotiating. So what do you think to that? Salespeople suck at negotiating. They don't. He just wants to sell his book. I'll tell you what I think. I think that salespeople suck at negotiating because they've had eight years of not really needing to. That's part of it. I mean, I mean, I mean, are salespeople bad at negotiating? I just think that's too broad a sweeping statement. Because, yes, it's you know, a ridiculous generalisation. Yeah, absolutely. Because my experience of the salespeople negotiating is when they get a job offer letter. That's my experience of how they negotiate. And a lot of them are very, very talented at it. You know, my, my the minute you, know, you get offered a job, Johnny, and you phone me up and say, listen, Mike, I'm not happy with the... 40, you know, the 34p a mile petrol, I want 45p a mile. I go, well, just turn the job down, Johnny, then I'll, I'll see you later kind of thing. But I think leveraging, put- leverage is everything, Mike. And I think a lot of the people that we've seen demonstrate their negotiation ability during the course of their acceptance or declination of a job offer have got immense leverage or have had immense leverage because I of do the nature agree with of that. the market. I do agree with that. But actually what um, Blount goes on to say, I don't know which chapter it is now, but it basically says you've got to close something before you can negotiate. And a lot of people in the job market up until this point have been negotiating before they close the job offer. You know, a lot of people are deciding whether to go to interviews based on the basic salary. I think that will change dramatically in the next six months, actually. Yeah, people will be, uh, you'll be able to ring people in the next six months, say, I've got an interview for you here. And they'll go, where do I need to be and at what time? Yeah, correct. Correct. Well, it's with a company that are selling um, something hideous. Yes, where do I need to be and at what time? Where So the whole leverage that's made people good negotiators. And I think even when you sell a, a, a product like software in the market that we've just left, which is, you know, software is an infinite product. I've got an infinite supply of it. Mm. 
even then I've got leverage because the market's so hot as a negotiator I think a lot of people won't have had to really fight for margin because when you're winning lots of deals and you're hitting target anyway you're kind of just agreeing price giving a bit of a discount and getting to the getting to your end point the point Jeb's making in the book is actually now you might only get a deal that you would have got quarter of a million for this time last year you're going to get 100k for yeah if you're not very well, good at and if you're not negotiating it's going to be hard so that's his well, point well well his, his, his point is that and some other stuff he says now buyers are better and i do agree with that he says you know and this is getting back to his point at why people are bad at negotiating he says they've got an empty pipeline so he's talking about um poor emotional discipline you know people giving in lack of training you know how many people are actually trained on it he talks about empty Very pipeline. I think empty pipeline is one of the absolute killers, actually, for people with, with poor negotiating skills. They just want to get any number on the board because they've got nothing else in their pipeline, which is a point that you made earlier, actually. Of course it is. You know, we've all been there, haven't we? No. A any deal, every deal, as long as it's a deal, just get a deal on the board. We've all been there. Absolutely. Yeah. Chapter three. I, I made a note on that. I, I, he okay. talks about... He gives this story of how the salesperson comes in with a comes into a deal at thirty five k and ends up at twelve grand, and he's not. Oh yes, when he's selling to him. Yes, and he's not actually said anything to the salesperson selling to him. He's just gone silent on the salesperson, and over the course of three emails, salesperson dropped his kegs, as we say up here in the north, uh, at trousers, as they say down south. Um, he's dropped his kegs, and as a result, um, he's dropped down to twelve thousand pounds. I know I personally, I find that insulting when a salesperson does that to us as a business. I get a bit like, Ooh, hold on a minute. It actually puts me off engaging at all if I think that they haven't presented what was a fair and sensible price. But that's a personal thing. The point I put here, and I think something that's missing out the book that I've read thus far, I wrote that the key issue in being a good negotiator is confidence, self-belief, and a bit of swagger. Doesn't say that in the book anywhere. Does it not? Nope. And actually, their well, it key say elements... It doesn't, it doesn't really say that in Chris Foster's book either. No, it doesn't say in Chris Foster's book, you've got to have a pair of nuts. No, it doesn't say it anywhere. But I think that that is definitely one of the, one of the points. But we're, on, we're here to review the book. That isn't in there. And we're here to talk about the book. And then he talks about poor emotional discipline. The whole concept of emotional discipline, I think, is much bigger than the book. Of course it is, yeah. I mean, well, everybody, everybody's working from home right now. I wonder how many people's home uh, working regime is replicative of their office working regime as if their boss was sat next to them. Well, I've had to, be out, I've had to go outside today and let the uh, sunbed guy into my garage. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that really it really annoyed me. How that. has he been allowed to deliver that? That cannot be an essential. Well, item. we're obviously not touching it for a couple of days, are we? And then it's going to get dettled to within an inch of its life. But we will be sunbedding it up. But but anyway, my point is on, on discipline. You know, discipline is self self-imposed, isn't it? Yeah, and then he talks a little bit about lack of training. Now, look, to be fair to Jeb Blount and a lot of the guys we work with. They write these books because they are lead magnets to sell high-value sales training to organizations. And I don't want to denigrate that because people buy training. But I have to say something. Every really world-class salesman I've 
ever met in my entire career. They're self-trained, self-developed. In every aspect of the game? Every single one. Yes. So, you so can your point, point of, is not just, not, not just on negotiation. They're self-trained as how to sell. Yes, they're just self-trained. They, yeah, they, I agree with out, that. they walk out of a deal. It's a self-awareness thing, Mike. The top guys go to a deal. They realize, holy shit, I just got spanked to the tune of 40 grand. What's that worth to me? Whew. It's worth about two and a half thousand pounds. Christ, I could take my kids on holiday for that. Whew. How do I do that? I don't want that to happen again. Right. And they go home and then they stew over it and they drive home for four hours. And then they go home and they order four books on negotiation. And then every Saturday for four weeks, they read books on negotiation and they make notes in the inside page. And four weeks later, lo and behold, they end up in a negotiation situation and they do something different. Yes, I agree. Because they, they, they just don't accept shite. They, they have a low rubbish acceptance threshold. And I don't think it's about a lack of training. It's about your rubbish acceptance threshold. And how often the irony you... is that none of those people will be listening to this book club show. <laughs> Not many. They won't, will they? Well, some will because they're personal self-developers and they, they want that. But that's, but that's my point. The people that listen to this show are personal self-developers, so they wouldn't whine about having no training. No, because they go, oh, it's up to me to train myself. It's up to me to polish my skills. It's up to me to get my shit together. Exactly. So, right. Yeah. So moving forward, page 14, to become an elite sales athlete, keep your skills updated and sharp, become a master sales negotiator, you must invest your own money. So he does say that, to be fair. Um, and then he talks about, <laughs> I laughed here, he puts the average salesperson inside salesperson as a commute of one to two hours a day. Not anymore, they don't. No. no not right now. Um, and then he does mention, I think this is the, for me, this is the key bit, empty pipeline. And for me, the number one negotiating tactic, and I don't know what else we'll get out of the rest of the book. I know you've read all of it. I've done the first two sections. I think the number one negotiation tactic is, to hell with you, I don't need you. Yeah, but I mean, that's the cure to every single salesperson's ill, isn't it? Top of the funnel. Top of the funnel. It's the cure to every key objection. Absolutely. It's, it's, the, cure the, cure, it's the cure to pretty much everything. Don't worry, my pipeline's that big. I don't care what you say. Yeah, more about, not many people like my product. We don't care. I've got a massive pipeline. Yeah, because some of somebody's going to buy it. I sell to the retail and hospitality market. It just dropped on its absolute ass. It's okay. <laughs> I've got a massive pipeline full of public sector clients as well. Yeah, I, I get really anxious in front of my clients. No, I don't. I've got a massive pipeline. It's the number one part. Work the top of your pipeline all the time, and it all it'll all be all right it. if your pipeline's big enough. Everything's all right, providing right. it's well qualified, obviously. And then I'm, I'm on page 18 now, and he starts really explaining why price matters. It puts, and you will discount. It puts, and you will discount. In the real world, you will need to make concessions to get deals done. <clears throat> now, I've got to say, this is more highly than Voss from me, which is Jeb Blount is a salesperson. Yes, he is. That's a big difference. Actually, I thought Voss's book was better. But there's lots of good stuff in this book. And actually, the realism of being at the coalface of selling, Blount has a much greater hold on, I think. And he's a sales guy, sales guy. Exactly. Anyway, I interrupted you. What were you going to say? I was just saying he's a sales guy, sales guy. And he talks about different discounts. And, uh, you know, he talks here, pattern disruption. We move to unpredictable increments rather than a discounting rhythm of 5 and 5% more. We move to 47 and 3.1% and 24 for a guy that doesn't like Chris Voss, he's pretty keen on his tactics. 
Well, Chris Voss's ta- that's a Chris Voss tactic, but Chris Vo- Chris Voss's tactic is much better than that. So I'm 25 pages in here now, and I'm not going to. I don't want to be too mean about it because the guy's coming on the show, but I've not really learned a lot, and I've not grown a lot here. I agree. He has some very good points, though. You know, page 26, the one that you're on. Win first, then negotiate. He is 100% right about that. Yeah. You... It's a lot easier to win and negotiate. And also, something else I, I think he put well on page 28 is, never give leverage away for free. <clears throat> I think he could have made a lot more of this, actually. But yeah. I think a lot of salespeople do actually have a lot of leverage when they are. But it all comes to back down to that emotional. Dis- yeah, eliminate and neutralize alternatives. But I do like that never give it away for free. That's a simple one, isn't it? Yes, but what he's talking about is your leverage can come in different points. You know, he doesn't cover it here, actually. But I think leverage could just be a little bit of information or a little bit of knowledge or it could be payment days, or it could be any of that different, those different pieces. Whereas I think what he's saying here is people give away all the leverage straight away, and then they've got no leverage to play with. Yeah, absolutely. And then he gets to the end, page 30, free sales negotiation training resources. You see, that spoils the book a bit for me. I've become used to it in all the books now, actually. I mean, he's got every right to want to pitch and sell some training as a result of, of getting his book out the door. I get it. That's a bit like, are you selling me a book that I'm meant to use or actually are you just using this to sell me some training? I, I got a bit grumpy with that, but it was a Sunday morning and I can be a little bit gro- grumpy. And what's interesting is he talks about win-win here and he actually talks about... Win- are you on chapter five? I, I, I've moved on to chapter five, yeah. So he's talking okay, here about part two. winning for your team. Yes, part two, winning for your team. So what do you think about this, winning for the team? Uh, well, actually, I've, I've put a note. So what I do with the book is I put yellow where I agree with him. I and put red, red where I disagree with him. And I put blue. The bit I highlighted was win-win is an outcome goal. Hang on a minute. In sales negotiation, is total BS. If you are focused on win-win, there is a good chance that you are losing. Sales. Yeah, it does. It does. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? I mean, he talked terrible advice. Yeah, I mean, I don't like this winning for your team thing. You've got to win for yourself on the basis that it then won't damage your team. Because yeah. let's get it right. So I'm on page 34, right? And, and the way I, when I read the books, yellow is when I agree, red is when I disagree, blue is when I want to talk to the author. Right. So this page, 34, has got blue and red on it. Right. So I disagreed with him, and then I called it in blue to talk to you about it. And this is the bit that I just didn't think was, was good at all. Win-win as an economic goal in sales negotiation is total BS. If you are focused on win-win, there is a good chance that you are losing. Sales negotiation is about getting the best possible outcome for your team, period. And I just thought to myself, does he actually mean this? Or is he just putting that in there to make people angry? Because where I think it holds very true is that right now, today, as we're filming this on the 30th of March, there will be a sales team out there with lots of salespeople. It's year end, and a salesperson will ink a deal. He yeah. did that for himself. That's the only reason he did it. But does it take some pressure off the team? Do the team share his happiness? Yeah, 100%. He didn't do it for the team. He... No, it's, it's, it's not soccer. Exactly. You know, Rory McElroy 
yeah, he has a team, he has an entourage. But you know when he slides a put in on the 18th to go four under at the clubhouse, he's not sat thinking, oh, I'm so pleased with my team. Oh, quick advertising pitch, by the way. Inward Revenue's World Golf Tour event that we're holding. We'll be taking World place. Golf Tour is immensely difficult. Have you, been tra- have you had a go? Like it's properly ridiculously hard. No. I'm shooting okay. subpar scores, Pricey. Oh, well, I'm not. <laughs> I, need a, I actually need a handicap of about 18. I think it's because I, I purchased a really good driver. So I'm, I'm brilliant off the tee. Oh, I've not done that yet. Yeah. I think anyway, that's back what to is. the book. Back to the book. So, yeah, we talked about this win win thing, and then he talks about relationships matter. And I said here, you know, do you think Roger Federer is trying to win for his team or Rory McElroy? No. And then he talks about mitigating resentment. You know, he's right. We've all done it. What he's talking about here is you can't get into, involved in a deal where at the end of it, they resent you or you resent them. And I thought of one example of a client I engaged with last year where we placed somebody there and they beat us up on price quite badly first time round. And not only that, but they then took six months to pay on a 30-day payment terms. I know and, I you mean. Act- yep. and I actually took my bat and ball home and I didn't engage with them again. Now, actually, the real sad thing about that is I found out recently that one, he was gutted I'd taken my bat and ball home. And two, he actually ended up hiring three people in the last few months. Wow. Yeah, one of which was a sales leader. And he, he, but he genuinely said to me, he said, I was really upset that you took your bat and ball home, but I couldn't blame you. I felt like we treated you really badly. But that's what Jeb's saying is, if you negotiate badly, and I didn't negotiate with that particular divisional MD of that organization, but that bad negotiation damaged my relationship with actually a, an eminently decent client. Two-way street, he negotiated with you. Yes, he did. And we both sort of take responsibility for it looking back now. I like this phrase as well, being the adult in the room. I mean, I know Sandler talks a lot more about parent, adult, and child. Um, what page are you on? Uh, and I think that's re- uh, being the adult and having that adult mindset, I think, is very key. Yes, I agree with you on that. I, well, I agree with him. Yeah, I think that's really good. And then I'm strolling along now to page 38. I'm on page 38, under the heading Satisfaction and Contentment. Yeah, what do you make of that? Well, I quite liked it, actually. He said, think for a moment about what people are are really negotiating for it's not money terms conditions saving risk reduction roi measurable business outcomes or any of the logical things we typically believe on the table don't get me wrong those things are very important but it's not what people are negotiating for people negotiate first and foremost for satisfaction and contentment they want to and then he lists seven things like please their boss feel the satisfaction of winning all those things and i've actually put that that is the best page in the book it's true, because he's really getting inside the head of what a, what a customer's thinking here, isn't he? Best page of the book, page 38. Yeah, absolutely. Feel, that's, and it's true. I want to feel important, feel that I'm a good negotiator, feel self-worth for doing a good job, please my boss, feel the satisfaction of winning. Yeah, pe- feel people, don't, for the team. people actually don't do it for, for the nickel and dime of the money. No, particularly when it's other people's money. Yeah, I, I, think, I think a lot of the time candidates and clients do it with us to prove that they're good at negotiating. I think more so candidates. Yes, I do. Yeah, hundred percent, and that's what they do. Yeah, absolutely. They, but particularly, 
we see sometimes where people get what I call flush with the thrill of the victory and then they negotiate. Yes, definitely. And they negotiate because often one of the reasons they're engaged with us is because they haven't had a win for a while. And as a result thereof, they go out to some interviews and it makes them feel good going to yeah, interviews. they're winning again. And the, and the thrill of the victory then makes them remember what it really is to properly actually go out there and start negotiating with somebody again. And they get mm. flush with that excitement of the negotiation, I find. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think sometimes I would imagine people do it in deals. And it's very easy to do in a deal to get that thrill of, right, I've won here. I'm in a commanding position. Before you know it, you're over-negotiating. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, people and get carried away. And he talks this little bit about the opposite of satisfaction and, content, uh, and contentment as resentment and contempt. And I think that's really key. And then he, he gets into chapter six, which is rule one, win first, then negotiate. What do you make of this, Pricey? I do agree with him, but Go what on. if the main buying criteria of the buyer is price? Oh, but surely we argue that if you're involved in a price-led deal, you started the deal in the wrong way, yada, 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 blah, yada, blah, yada, blah, yada. But somebody's going to win the deal. Yeah, someone's going to walk away with the, with, Let, with the deal. Let's get it right. Right now, right at this moment, you know, we've been using Microsoft Teams because we're all based from home, blah, blah, blah. And actually, Teams has been a bit bit dodge, really. And, and that surely has got to be that Microsoft didn't anticipate how much use it was going to get. So Microsoft will go out if they've not got space in their own data centers and hurriedly buy space in someone's data centers. You'd Correct. You'd Let's get it right. We're using Zoom today because we think Teams hasn't been good enough. Correct. So and Zoom's the same. You know, Zoom will have gone and bought space in somebody's data center. Yep. So let's say theoretically, Zoom puts the hand in the air. and they, I don't know what classifications are of data centers, but let's say class three is the highest. They're going to put the hand in the air and go, right, I want a class three data center. I'm bothered about price. What are all the data center providers going to do? Go, oh, no, Zoom. No, no, no. We're only selling on quality. We're not interested. <laughs> I, like, not, uh, I like your data center voice, Mike. But they're not going to do that, are they? So no. whilst Jeb and indeed Chris Voss talk about this idealistic situation of, yeah, well, if they're interested in price, they're the wrong kind of deal. There's bloody loads of them out there at the minute. So what should I do? Deal with them or not? And there are lots of things that people sell, whether they're selling data centers or whatever else. There's lots of stuff out there on earth that gets sold to people that in reality is price-led. Well, you try imagine trying to sell today a BMW X5 3-litre diesel today. <sighs> How are you selling that? I, I bet if you went on a leasing site, I bet the, the difference is 4p price. I bet they're giving them away. Bet they're giving them away cars at the moment. Yeah, exactly. So how you go, oh, no. Yes, well, our customer service is much better than theirs. <laughs> oh. I mean, uh, pr- if I was buying an X5 three-litre diesel today, I would be going price, 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 price. Actually, his chapter's a pretty good chapter, really. So to answer your question, what do I think of his chapter? What did you think of his chapter? I said, overall, I think his chapter is a good chapter. I do agree. Win and then negotiate, but let's get it right. Let's live in the real world for a little bit. Jeb Blount, what is your answer? And I've got this as a question to ask him. What is your answer when actually they're leading with price straight from the offset? 
He tells a good story here about a guy doing a contract renewal and the procurement guy coming back to him and saying, listen, um, we're talking to the suppliers. Uh, maybe you should have a think about sharpening your pencil. Yeah, yeah, I read his made-up story. And the guy says, no, it's a pretty good price. We're doing a good job for you. We deliver a time and time again. Leave, I'll leave you to it. That's the price. And the guy stood firm and still won the contract. I heard the story, but I also saw an email from our accountant today offering the same thing. What, saying I'll stand firm on our, contra- on our price? But that's the point, isn't it? You know, this idealistic story is great. Let's say, Johnny, I'm your manager. Yeah. You've got something to renew. It's yeah. two days before you said, come on, Johnny, if you do that at 80 pounds, they're going to sign today. And you go, no, no, Mike. I'm going to hold out for 100. And I say, Johnny, it's the 30th of March. Armageddon is taking place on the world. Take the £20 hit and sign the deal. You go, no, no, I'm going to hold firm. I'm going to hold firm. Yeah, at some point, you just got to get the signature on the paper. Yeah, and I just don't think Blount or Voss actually covered that well enough. I made a point here on page 45. And I said, I wrote here, negotiating starts with your first email. It starts with your LinkedIn profile photo. It starts with the content you put out that leads them to realize you've authority and want. Uh, it starts with turning up in a suit. It starts with a good follow-up email. I think there's people forget that actually, I think if you're, sometimes I think if you're negotiating like that, if, the, if it's become a price-led conversation, it's because so much of what you did wasn't right. Correct. Because, yeah. they, because they've, there is so much of a, of a perception that gets built in a sales process all the way up to the point at which we say, right, how much are we doing this for? Whereas if actually, like I saw a fellow the other day in his LinkedIn profile, he's used his Tinder profile picture. <laughs> you showed me his picture. Right. He's used his Tinder profile photo. Now, I don't want to have a personal attack on him, but come on, he's easy to negotiate with. Because I'll tell you now, if I was a senior executive in a company and I looked at him on LinkedIn, I'd think, you, sir, are a loser. I would just bully him as a, as a customer. Why? Because I'd think... I absolutely agree with you. So I think it, it, it's, a, it's a number of things, isn't it? Part of the reason people end up negotiating is because I think there's a psychological thing that people build where the customer thinks, I can bully you. Oh, it was a lot easier to record this when we were in the office, wasn't it, Mike? Yeah, 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 but we're getting there. Yeah. Um, I, I can't bring... I, I can't, this is chapter eight, isn't it? Yes. And I, I get all that. And then he talks about the sales negotiation parameters where I started to get a little bit of hope that there was something that I could actually take into a negotiation with me. And, and then, then it was actually, only half a page. And then it was only half a page and then we're into the next section, which is for next week's show. So what do we make of it so far? So far, I think it's very different to Chris Voss's book in terms of what Voss is, is very clinically structured text. It, Voss is, is, I think if you had a combination of the two, and took about 30% Jeb Blount and 70% Chris Voss, you'd be absolutely dynamite, I reckon. But this far into the book, I just thought Voss has had some more very practical advice. Jeb Blount's book is good, particularly when you think that actually this is one of a trilogy. 
So if you were to look at this book in the context of having the other two books as well, yeah, I think that makes a lot more. Right. And until next week, where we will be discussing the next two parts, two parts. of the book. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.